1: self-love, confidence, and body positivity. These are the founding principles of Jewel Dancewear, the premier dancewear and activewear line founded and run by former Miami City ballet dancer, Julia Cinquimani. Established in 2011, Julia addressed a need in the dancewear space, apparel that catered to women of all sizes, offering them functionality they need without compromising fashion and quality. Jewel products stand the test of time and are made in the USA. They believe in the importance of doing their part to sustain the U.S. community of independent garment manufacturers. We love her gorgeous leotards and dancewear, so be sure to check them out. Follow them on Instagram at Jewel dancewear and shop online at Jeweldancewear.com. Plus, Joule is offering a special discount just for our listeners. Use code COD15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Shop now at com or click the link in the description of this episode. Our friends at Rhode Island Women's Choreography Project have just released their application cycle for performances on May 21st and 22nd of 2022. The project has a core mission to empower artists whose voices are not traditionally heard. According to the Dance Data Project last season, 69% of all ballets in major U.S. companies were choreographed by men. While the project was initially founded to address the imbalance between male and female choreographers, it supports and welcomes applications from choreographers who feel underrepresented regardless of their gender identity. Accepted choreographers can either work independently or be provided with studio space, dancers, and three weeks of rehearsal time in Rhode Island leading up to the show. Visit their website at riwomenschoreographyproject.com for more information and apply by February 13th. You can find the link in the description of this episode. I'm Rebecca King Ferraro.
0: And I'm Michael Sean Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance.
1: Today, we have the pleasure of being joined by Colleen Neary, Artistic Director of Los Angeles Ballet. Born in Miami, Florida, Neary trained in New York at both the School of American Ballet and Harkness House for Ballet Arts. In 1969 to 1979, she danced as a soloist with the New York City Ballet under the direction of George Balanchine and became one of his quintessential ballerinas. Colleen's career path led her to Europe in 1979, when she became rehearsal director and choreographic assistant at Switzerland's Zurich Ballet. In 1986, she accepted the position of principal dancer with Pacific Northwest Ballet, then returned to Europe in 1992 to spend a decade with the Royal Danish Ballet as rehearsal director, company teacher, and first instructor in charge of productions. In 2004, she and her husband, Throdell Christensen, founded Los Angeles Ballet. Today, we take a deep dive into Colleen's career, where she shares with us what it was like dancing at SAB as a young dancer while her older sister, Pat Neary, was in the company, her relationship with Balanchine, and her unusual path to join New York City Ballet. She shares delightful stories with us about working with Balanchine and Jerome Robbins and where her career took her after leaving the company. You won't want to miss a moment of this chat, so we really hope you all enjoy.
0: Colleen, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We've long wanted to have you on the podcast and talk about your incredible career, both as a dancer and now as a director and an educator. So um, we're so glad that you were able to join us.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: We just would like to start with you a little bit at the beginning about how you first became interested in dance and ballet.
2: Well, it's a long story. Um, We love my sister. (laughs) My sister, um, who's about nine and a half years, my senior, um, she would actually join the National Ballet of Canada at 14 years old. Wow. Wow. Yeah, those were the days, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, So uh, we moved from Miami where I was born. I was four. Mm -hmm. And we moved from Miami with my mom in a car uh, to Canada. And uh, she joined the company. They didn't have any children in the productions or anything. I started ballet up there a little bit like a pre-ballet kind of thing where we did teapots Mm -hmm. and things like that. (laughs) And um, I didn't really like it. (laughs) Oh, no. No. And I think it was because I had uh, I had a teacher and she's quite famous. I'm not going to name her name, but she (laughs) was uh, a little bit older, probably my age right now. Uh And uh, I thought it was a little bit boring. I didn't like it. They didn't have children on stage and everything. We came to New York. My sister joined New York City Ballet and I saw a production of I believe it was called Medea. And there were a couple of children in there. Mm. and those children later on became members of New York City Ballet and I said to my mom in the performance I want to do that I just wanted to be on stage
1: oh I love that
2: so my sister joined the company uh Mm -hmm. she was 18 and my uh, my mom took me for an audition at School of American Ballet I was eight Mm -hmm. and uh they took me and from then on it's sort of history i had you know wonderful teachers Chumkovsky and dubrovska and Danilova and all the famous mm-hmm. ones vladimirov oh. and stanley williams and mm-hmm. uh, the school was up on 83rd and broadway and we lived on 85th and west end so i could walk there and everything and i grew up there in the school and i slowly because my sister was in the company and i was around so much i became sort of a child of balanchine mm-hmm. and um, I was in classes with Gelsey Kirkland was my uh, sort of colleague and Merrill Ashley. And so, you know, I grew up in a very specific and wonderful time Mm -hmm. and was fortunate enough to have Balanchine come in and teach us in the school every week. And it was just incredible. And he used us in all the productions. I was in Nutcracker and Harlequinade and MidSummer Night's Dream and everything that children were involved in. And I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. And I watched every performance in my youth in the sixties because my sister was dancing and we went all the time. Oh, right. that's so that's awesome. sort of how I began.
1: Yeah.
2: And, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. We worked with your sister, with Pat. And, um, when we were at Miami city ballet, it was so much fun. We had an awesome time with her <laughs> Did you get
2: episodes. We did we episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It I was sure did. cool. She, what a oh, those, trip she is. Bounce she's a riot
1: oh my gosh Uh, our one of our favorite things that she would do or that I remember is that whenever she would say something like well Mr. B please forgive me she would look up at the sky please forgive me if this is wrong but I think this is what you would want like she would just say that all the time and I just it was so cute I loved it so I can imagine oh sorry go ahead
2: no, I was just going to say she's still taking classes and uh, point shoes. You know, Is she still a, doing point yes, shoes? shoes? Yes, oh, so, I gave that yeah. up a while ago. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> we couldn't believe it when she hit the stage in a point shoe. We were just like, she's going to take class, and oh my goodness, was I she know. taking class? Really amazing. I know. Yeah. I know.
0: I made sure that her bar spot was right next to me because I wanted to carry the whole class. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I remember that. So, so what was your first interaction with Balanchine? And did you feel like because your sister already had this relationship as a dancer with Balanchine, was there any level of extra pressure for you? Or was it just like normal? No, Everyone you know, wants to he was. Balanchine.
2: Yes. And I, I sort of grew up around him even more so than a lot of the kids because I was around. And one of the uh, stories I remember was that my mom, he, my mom was a great cook and he made a canteen. It was totally illegal, but he made a canteen on the fourth floor, like mm-hmm. next to his office. And, uh, he somehow got some kind of vent out and everything. And she made burgers and sandwiches and salads. And it was about for a two year period. Wow. And the office where was his office, he changed into a room with tables and chairs, and I was there every day after school, I went to PCS professional children's school, and I'd go there after school before my classes. And I'd help her and we would shop in the morning at 5am. And she made she did all this volunteer voluntarily. Wow! Uh, she was just a volunteer, they gave her money for shopping and things. But this was a very famous canteen, because all the European theaters had canteens. Right. And he really wanted to have a canteen for the dancers. And it was uh-huh. wonderful. The stage crew loved it and the dancers loved it. And she even stayed there for other companies too. But I would come in and clean the tables and everything. And he would always joke with me and say, Oh, Colleen, you know, in his nasal accent, you're uh-huh. going to be a waitress. And I would like <laughs> cry and run to my mom. I don't want to be a waitress. Oh. Uh, so oh I God. sort of had a sort of I was sort of a child of Balanchine. He was very kind to my family. We didn't have a lot of money. Our father died very when I was very young. And my mom worked at Macy's after that. And he gave us once a television set. He was just very, very kind to us when I was growing up because we were not well off and he helped us. I was one of the first in-city Ford Foundation students. Oh, wow. So they had Ford Foundation students from all over, uh America but I was like the first one in New York that actually got the Ford Foundation scholarship wow so I was very fortunate with that and I I was very privileged in that way because I grew up around him and I knew him very well in another way than everybody else I wasn't so frightened of him I thought he was you know incredible when he would walk in and teach us class and it was a little scary when I was young Mm. but um he used us in productions, and I even at 12 years old, he put me in the doll in Nutcracker in act one. Wow, I was 12 dancing with a company member behind wow. me, That's and that so was cool. scary, but I was never scared on stage. So, you uh-huh. know, he put me out there, and
1: mm-hmm.
2: it was just You know, wonderful experience for me growing up.
1: Right. I wonder, like, we talk about this with our guests who go from SAB into the company. And of course, there's such this anticipation of getting into the company. And like, if that doesn't happen for me, it's just going to break my heart, you know? And for you, I can see that maybe even more so because of course you already have this lineage within the company. Was that ever something you were like worried about? Like what happens if I don't make it in the company or like I got this in the bag?
2: Yes. <laughs> well, no, because um, my story is a little bit different. Uh, my sister left the company. Uh, I was about 14. Uh, she left New York city ballet and I, he had said when I was 12, Oh, I'm going to take her when she's 14. Of course he didn't. Uh, but I was about 14 and I left the school. Oh, did you feel like you had to, um, in a lot of ways, I guess I did, but you know, uh, you're sort of in inspired or, or, or it's your parents' responsibility. Sure. My mother didn't feel comfortable. Um, Mm. I felt a little bit odd in the school because my sister had left and, and it was just a, a weird situation. Sure. Mm-hmm. And right at that time, somebody got in touch with us with Harkness. Mm-hmm. It was a Harkness house for ballet arts. And they took me into what's called the youth company there. It was uh, Harkness Youth Ballet. And I was there for two years at Harkness mm-hmm. from 14 mm-hmm. to 16. And we worked with many different uh, people and choreographers, even Robbins came, he started dances at a gathering on us Wow. There as a, wow. as a workshop. Uh-huh. Yes. This is oh not gosh. known by many.
1: We might but, have to uh, mind that. Keep going and we might come back <laughs> to that. Yeah. Well, we, we can
2: come back to that. Okay. But uh, we've worked with a lot of the greats and Anton Dolan and people like that came in and worked with us because she had a lot of money. So mm-hmm. she brought people in to work with the the youth company and Harkness was sort of in the heyday then. And she gave a a theater and Helgi was there and many people that everybody would know their names, Larry Rhodes and so on. Mm -hmm. And right at that time, we were doing performances in the Delacorte theater in central park and Balanchine came and saw the performance. I don't know if he was with my sister or a group of people, and the next day, I had a scheduled audition with Joffrey Ballet. Mm-hmm. this is a, this is this is like nobody else's story here. Right.
1: So so fascinating. I, I know so I know my
2: whole life is like that. I so I that. went to City Center and did an onstage audition with Joffrey Company. and afterwards, he said, "I'm giving you a contract as an apprentice." So in those days, we didn't have cell phones, right? right? So right. I ran out of the building. I ran to a a pay phone in some mm-hmm. other building. Right. And I called my mother and I said, Mom, he's giving me a contract, Mr. Joffrey. And she said, Colleen, you have to go to the New York State Theater, which is the Koch Theater now. Right. And you have to talk to Betty Cage because Balanchine is giving you a contract.
1: <laughs> That's, That's so, so good. good.
2: I love okay. It. By this time, all my colleagues, Merrill, Ashley, and Gelsey were in the company okay. and everything. The right. ones I'd grown up with. Right. So I, I went to, I was like, oh, okay, well, wait a minute. You know, <laughs> what do I do choices? Now? choices. Right. I'm 16. What do I do? Right. So I went there and I was offered an apprentice contract and I met with Betty cage, who was the general manager And then I met with Balanchine and he said, I'm taking you as an apprentice, but you have to go back to School of American Ballet. Mm. So not not necessarily go back to the school, but he said, you have to go and take classes there as much as possible, because I I had had a different training for two years. Right. Uh, I had some British training. I had Russian training. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, a combination of a mishmash. Sure. So he really wanted me to get back in the fold. And I remember my first company class. I walked in and all my colleagues kind of stared at me like, what is she doing here? (laughs) (laughs) And people that I had known as a child, like Jacques Damboise, were very kind and walked up to me and said, Welcome back, Colleen. And we're mm. so happy for you. Mm-hmm. So it was very scary, but in another way. And I wasn't right. in that sort of situation of am I going to get in the company? Am I going to get in the company? I never thought I was going to get in the company because I left. Right. Right. So my head was in a different mind space. But of course, mm-hmm. when Balanchine offered a contract, I would never have said no, because it's what <laughs> it was my dream. Yeah, and to you know, go to the company my sister had been in, and everything. So, and she had been there, I think, mm-hmm. seven years.
1: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Did you so, guys ever have overlap within the company? Because she stayed out of the company not. after that. Okay, right.
2: we did not. We did as a uh, child. As a right. child, I was in mm-hmm. you, Nutcracker when she was doing Dewdrop and things like right. that. That's but cool. right, right. Uh, we never overlapped in that way. No, right. Uh-huh. We worked right. together later in our life. Uh-huh. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. I was her ballet mistress in Zurich, but. Uh, <laughs>
1: So right. much yeah. to mine. There's so much to talk about. I think we, I feel Michael wanting to also rewind a hair to Dances at a Gathering <laughs> to oh, hear a yeah. little bit about that. Yeah, do I you
2: want to hear about so that?
1: Yeah. Course. Yeah, I we like do. If it's not. If
2: okay. It's well, Rebecca it's... Harkness had a wonderful um, house in Sneedon's Landing, mm-hmm. which is on the other side of the river and everything. A gorgeous house with a studio and everything. And she invited Robbins to come and work with about five of us uh, mm-hmm. as a workshop kind of thing. And he lived up there too, I- so it was a step away. And he came in. He said, "I'm going to start these sort of potatoes with you." And he said, "It goes like this: da 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 da
1: da da, da 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 Okay, it was
2: <laughs> it was the one that came. actually, so that it the There's with-
1: some choreography that stayed the whole time, <laughs> right? Because didn't he change yes. so- things like so much?
2: Yes, he changed things a lot. Yeah. Oh, well, Jerry, yes. So uh, we worked with him and he taught us afternoon of a fawn and he started doing, you know, some steps from this and that. I got into city ballet. Um, There's upstairs in that theater, there's a big uh, studio called the main hall and there's Mm -hmm. a smaller studio called the practice room. Mm -hmm. I was on the fifth floor. He walked in the practice room and then he came quickly out and he went, Colleen? I said, (laughs) yes. And he said, what are you doing here? And I went, I got into the company. Went, oh, come in. And I thought, oh, wow. You know, it was a dances at a gathering rehearsal. I'm gonna go into dances at a gathering. <laughs> this is a typical Jerry thing with uh-huh. me, especially. I walked in. He said, Can you show that potato de that I taught you? da 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 And Kay and John Prince, I think she was dancing with, stood there and went. Why is Colleen in here? And why is she <laughs> showing these steps?
1: Oh gosh! So, so, is at this point had the ballet already premiered? No, no, Most no. Not he, was okay. he was just
2: choreographing, still working on. It, it. But okay. he wanted to. He was just working on it, and he wanted to sort of recap what he had done with us or something. Right. So I right. came in and I showed that the beginning it was like I don't know a third of the part of it, and uh, he said, "Okay, thank you. You can go now." <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh,
2: so this was this was my typical life with Jerry right <laughs> I was called in all the time and he would work with me and say thank you you can go now <laughs> oh my
1: gosh oh
2: I walked out and of course the whole room was like why is she here and why does she know these steps you know right. uh-huh.
1: no explanation oh, he didn't explain it, no, like, it no 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 no. That is so good. That's, that's like funny. your first foray into being a ballet Repet- and a repetitor. Yes, that's it was.
2: Yes. Oh, and also Balanchine. When, yeah, you can get into that later. But <laughs> yeah. when I was 23, Balanchine told me one day in Washington, D.C., tomorrow you're going to teach company class. And I said, what? I don't want to teach company class. I want to be a day. No, no, that's what you're going to do in your future.
0: Right.
2: So yeah. I had about I had 12 hours. I had to go in the next day in front of all these people, Peter Martins, Peter Chavez, John Pierre Bonfou, uh, Helge Thomassen, who were standing there like this.
1: Oh, no. Standing with their arms
2: crossed, looking at me like, OK. I walked in. I went, I don't know. <laughs> but they, <laughs> it, um, it turned out OK. And I taught oh, yeah. the company from then on, off and on.
0: Wow.
1: Right. So we have, we have heard this before from like, uh, Susie Pilar had told us and a few others they're escaping me right now, but that Balanchine had chosen people in that way saying like, oh, you will be a teacher one day. Like he could pick them out of a bunch. And I didn't realize like reading your bio that it happened so soon for you. So was that something that, and of course at 23, you haven't even had your career yet. Like there's so, so much left. Were you thinking oh, yes, I can see myself do this in the future. Or were you more thinking along the lines of, "Well, I guess I'll give this a try, but he's crazy. Why, <laughs> you know, like, why does he see this in me?
2: Uh, yeah, I was, you know, both thoughts because my sister was already directing in Europe. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she was maybe not directing then, but ballet mistressing in Berlin. And then she went to Geneva to direct. And I thought, well, he's sort of putting me in that category. And I at first, when he sort of asked me to do it, I was a little bit not insulted, but I was a little bit taken aback thinking he doesn't think I'm I'm going to dance or he's putting me in this thing. But right, I'm so happy that he put me into this sort of way of doing this and learning how to do it from him. Right. Because it carried me through my life to what I'm doing now. Right. And. I feel that he gave me that opportunity to find out what I was going to be really good at and then to, to do it and achieve it. Right. And to this day, I thank him for putting me where I am now because I wouldn't be there without his instruction of, you know, and the opportunities he gave me. So uh,
0: my question about, you know, these early teaching experiences was obviously we've already uh, garnered that you had a really different background from others, you know, so maybe, maybe if, you know, Galaxy or Merrill had been asked to teach class at that age, they would have just like, you know, given, I don't know, Danilova or Stanley combinations, what you were familiar with, but did you incorporate some of the outside training? How did you kind Mm -hmm. of cobble together? I don't think I incorporated that
2: till later. Okay. Uh, Balanchine was very specific with me and I would go in on several free days with him to, uh, sort of do, uh, working with seminars and he would call Peter Martins in and different people like that. Mm. He was already planning for the future. Right. Uh, so I worked with him a lot on training and also as a child. And when I was new in the company, we did a lot of seminars where they would, he would invite teachers in from the outside Marcia Del Weary was one of them too. And say, you know, we do this because of this and we do this because of this. And I was one of those Guinea pigs that he used. Right. So I think all that training that I had on the outside, it came to use much later on Mm -hmm. when I uh, was doing classical works with Royal Danish ballet and what I'm doing now. Um, It's, I have a combination of, of a lot of experience from different, places that I've been that I use in my sort of work at the moment but at that time I was trying to do exactly as you know he wanted and steps that he wanted right so that's if that answers your question Sure,
0: definitely so I want to rewind then to what your apprentice year was like then um, what your early experiences in the company were so I guess you were probably dashing across the plaza to get in some extra classes at the school, but what was your performing workload like?
2: Um, It was, it was heavy and I was a very quick learner. Uh, So I was put into a lot of things very quickly. Uh, They would say, uh, I mean, I had, I learned every core ballet right off. Mm -hmm. And those of us that were taken as apprentices then were offered contracts about a month later. And we went to Monte Carlo. That was like our first, our first tour. We were in Monte Carlo Uh about a month later. Um, But there were, you know, several stories. My first opening night of Symphony in C uh, was the day that Suzanne Farrell actually left the company.
1: (gasps) Oh. an easy day yeah it's not a a fun day day. it was a
2: very dramatic day I'm sure but uh for myself I was doing fourth movement symphony in c which is Mm -hmm. normal for apprentices to go in and at the last minute Rosemary came up and said Colleen we have somebody out in third so you're going to do third run off the stage and come out and do fourth (laughs) <laughs> uh, so my my life so started so then with being a thrown in person. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I went out and did third I ran out, I went out and did fourth and there's some big kicks in the beginning of fourth and I went right down. On oh my
1: no. ass!
0: <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh my god! Of
2: course, it's like because I kicked so high, and I was like going way, you know, yeah, you know, sort of the way I was. I was like yay, you know, all this, over the place. Oh my gosh! Uh, and balancing came back after me. So that was good. You went for it.
0: Uh, <laughs> I like what, that. That is, but I mean, was- I can't think of a more chaotic first day like yes. I mean so the, I was like,
2: really chaotic but <laughs> long story short my apprentice uh was not really even a year it was about a month, month. and I got into the company quickly and we went wow. we were in Saratoga for four weeks in those days you know right. everything was fun uh I learned a lot of ballets I was thrown into a lot of ballets and I was always the one they say does anybody know this and I go I do and I never did but, <laughs> oh hysterical
0: <laughs> oh my gosh did that just I scare you. Fall-
2: Oh, that, no that, it didn't scare me and i could follow really well and i could learn amazing. quickly so i would ask people in the wings where do we go and what do i do right uh i
1: think that's know, I, uh go ahead mickey
0: i was gonna say that what's so good is i think your sister told me this story at bar is she would do the same thing just <laughs> a boundary go do you, you learn first moment bize right and she go uh-huh and then just, <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: Yeah. Oh, you know? oh, <laughs> I have I have a huge story about that, but you probably don't want me to go into it. But yes, we
1: do. Um, oh absolutely. Okay. Do. So
2: <laughs> this was I was promoted after this day, uh-huh. but it was a day, it was like a last day before we were supposed to go to Kennedy Center. Um, like last day of the season, mm-hmm. January, February, whenever that was. And in the afternoon was Sarah Nod and one of the dancers, Marnie Morris, um, and those were days that there weren't a lot of people covering and there weren't a lot of cast of things. It was one right. cast, one right, cast right, of Serenade, one cast of Symphony and C, and so on. Right. So in the afternoon, Serenade, Rosemary came and said, we have nobody to do this, Colleen, go upstairs. And I said, okay. So I ran upstairs and I learned what we call the dark angel, right. the elegy girl, mm-hmm. uh, the arabesque girl and all that. I learned it. I went downstairs and did it. Wow! Uh, in performance, I'm sitting up in the dressing room in between because <gasps> I was exhausted oh. and didn't want to go home. And Balanchine oh. comes to the dressing room and says, "Colleen, go upstairs." <laughs> okay, so I go upstairs, and upstairs is this seasoned principal, Anthony Blum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very tall. He was not as tall, but he was a really good partner. Mm-hmm. And he said, "You're doing a uh, first movement symphony in C tonight." And I no. went, but I'm doing third movement Demi. And he went, you can do both. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, oh, he said, God. here's the variation. And this is balancing, teaching me the variation, teaching uh-huh. me the it. De and he said, well, cut the finale. You don't have to do the finale. There wasn't a finale anyway. But uh, long story short, I learned it very quickly. I went downstairs and Johnny Terrace, who was the ballet master at that point mm-hmm. said Colleen let me see the variation and I started to do the variation he said what are you doing this is about 10 minutes before no. no and Balanchine was standing there and I said I'm doing the variation he said but it's the wrong order <gasps> the wrong sequence of steps <laughs> and he said who taught you and I went Mr. B <laughs> I, pointed, <laughs> I pointed at him and he went I know choreography but I don't know order <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: That is so good. You gotta
2: remember a sequence. So anyway, I, I did it. I did first movement, I ran off, tore off the tiara, put on a flower, did third movement demi, ran off, tore off the flower, put on a tiara. Somebody else did me in the finale, and I ran out and did the what we call the pot of array section puete. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and somehow I had seen it, you know, I had that fortunate sort of experience of being there a long time watching every performance. Right. In the sixties. And then I'm in the company in the seventies. So I sort of in my head, knew things. Right.
1: So wh- had, see, which order did you end up doing? Did you do the new balancing order or the <laughs> the right order?
2: <laughs> I tried to do the right order. I okay. don't know if I did anything right to tell you the truth. <laughs> that's
1: but that's the good. next oh, wow. couple
2: of days we were in uh Kennedy center and there were a couple of us that were promoted. Oh. Um Meryl and myself and Christine Redpath. And, Mm -hmm. uh, they said, you've been promoted. And I think Rosemary said, well, I can understand why because (laughs) after that that day. Yeah. So is that kind
1: of when some bigger opportunities started coming for you? Was that kind of like the beginning of that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yes. And there was a lot of competition. There was a lot of competition, I'm sure, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, we worked really hard and, uh, I had a lot of opportunities, and uh, I stepped up to them. But you know, there was a point that I had also a difficult time in the company. And I think, you know, being in a company like New York City Ballet, and you have four walls, and there's no windows, and there's nowhere to go, and you're there your whole life. And I had been there a double life, also. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I did not stick with it, but I don't regret where I went after that or what I did. Right mm-hmm. and balancing again helped me, so yeah. I did all I guess, my kudos.
0: Right, I mean you, you, uh, but you, you know, you uh, even um, though you chose to move on earlier than one might have, um, I think you just made such a mark on the company. I mean, I certainly, we were still when I was at School of American Ballet in the early two thousands. I mean, we broke that video watching you do choleric,
2: Um,
0: (laughs) you know, so, um, you know, you had such a full life there, but what, what was kind of the turning point and um, how did that transition go? Did you have another place that you wanted to move on to, or were you like, I need to just separate first? What was, what was the the sort of transition?
2: My career peaked and then it didn't Mm -hmm. and people went ahead of me and that my whole psyche destroyed I didn't stick with it as maybe if I look back now, I should have, uh, my focus waned and this happens to some dancers and Mm -hmm. you either stay there and stick with it and become what you want to become. There were roles that I wanted to do that I wasn't cast in, but I mean, I did do sugar plum. I did do a lot of things. I had so many wonderful roles that I Mm look back on and he choreographed on me camera music and a couple of other things too. So I, I had a very fortunate time there, mm-hmm. but there was something in my soul lacking all the time. I wanted to do dramatic things. Mm-hmm. I would go over and see ABT. I would go over and see other companies. And there was something in me that wanted to do something even more than that. Mm-hmm. Cause I had been with that sort of way a lo- very long time. Right. Right. Um, but at, a, at a difficult time in my career there, and I was there 10 years, uh, Balanchine said, um, why don't you go over and work with your sister? Mm -hmm.
1: So that's kind of what happened. It was more like he kind of suggested it. He
2: suggested it. And he said, I think this would be a good opportunity and a good sort of change for you. Mm -hmm. And I was Mm -hmm. teaching in the school. I was teaching company. Uh, He knew I wasn't very satisfied with Mm -hmm. what I was doing. So he suggested I go there and sort of become ballet mistress. Mm -hmm. So I had five years where I was off and on dancing in Zurich and ballet mistressing. And she would use me if somebody was out or injured and stuff. But Mm -hmm. uh, I I had a change of career young. Mm -hmm. Right. And I never really stopped. And I always wanted to come back. And um, I saw Balanchine a lot there because he came over. It was, he was the advisor and he came over to you know, make sure the ballets were good and I staged them and I worked with him on a different aspect then also.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So if you were still dancing while you were ballet mistress, what was that like <clears throat> trying to maintain a sort of balance? Did you uh, take class I, daily? I, I took class.
2: I took right. class daily, but yeah. because I didn't have the pressure of trying to prove myself or right. be better than the next person or try to be in Balanchine's eyes, right. what mm. he wanted me to be. Sure. Um, I sort of got better uh, mentally and physically. Sure. Uh, and it was Nareev that came in. We worked with him a lot. And he said, Colleen, you need to dance. Mm. So mm-hmm. he gave me the opportunity of going back and like really full time. Right. And he put me in some of his productions that he did in uh, La Scala and mm-hmm. uh, in Rome and places like that. I taught mm-hmm. his ballets, also Nareev's ballets, but I also danced mm-hmm. in them. Mm-hmm. And at that certain time, I also met somebody that took me to Maurice Béjar. Mm-hmm. So my life totally turned. Right. Um, and it was around the time that Balanchine passed away that I went to uh, Béjar's company mm-hmm. and was there two years. And mm-hmm. I was a company teacher and he wanted me to teach Balanchine class. Mm-hmm. And I was also sort of a what they call a principal guest artist. I did mm-hmm. certain productions with him and worked mm-hmm. with him straight on, which was a whole other aspect.
1: Sure, sure. I wonder when we're talking about you setting ballets and you're starting to find that different side of the art form, Balanchine's working with you, it feels like pretty closely to help guide you in that direction. And I wonder like Michael is a repetitor now. And of course our generation, like we're just kind of starting to step into those roles, hopefully someday, but there's Mm -hmm. a learning curve, right. Of finding your footing of how do I notate this? How do I know every single person's role within a 30 person ballet? So how did you kind of start to hone that craft? And, um, what would you say to repetitors who are kind of just starting out and working towards that?
2: I would say, take as much as you can from the person that's taught you, mm-hmm. um, listen to them, especially those of us that worked with Balanchine, uh, at that time when I was learning, I, definitely relied on my experiences of, especially in the soloist and principal roles of working with Balanchine and the core roles I had done also. So the, a lot of that we all take from memory. Right. Uh, but I do, I do even to this day work very closely with video. And there's certain mm-hmm. videos that I think are correct and certain not And all, all the yeah. generations of the Balanchine repetitors have their own right. Sort of <laughs> right. Versions and different, um, styles that they they like or different videos that they like mm-hmm. once you stage ballet several times you know it becomes natural to you but right. I I would say to new people coming out and to those of you that are staging now just stay true to what you believe in mm-hmm. and what you think is right
0: right yeah Yeah. it can, it can be a, a dicey thing to try to parse you know it's um it's a, absolutely for I, I work for is Justin Peck who obviously is so inspired by Balanchine I feel like it's a similar um like a sort of freedom like Balanchine would maybe you know when Suzanne would do Suzanne he certainly didn't want em- anyone to emulate that he wanted people to be themselves so then I have right. to kind of you got to pick through the videos and be like okay is this dancer just is that like what, what was taught or what video do I have to go back to to find like the purest form of it versus exactly like
2: I mean you could go different. back to the beginning but like in right. my generation he changed a lot of things of course right. like um my sister teaches a, a probably a different choleric than mm-hmm. I did, mm. uh, but that was done for me. So I go to my sure. my right. version and um, she does hers. Uh, same thing with rubies or roles that we, you know, did at different times or different generations. Mm-hmm. And I also think that when I'm teaching like this generation today, a role done by Suzanne or by anyone, mm-hmm. I want them to take it on and it, to become their own. Right so that they're not actually you know, emulating or making it like somebody else. Mm-hmm. You have to go in there. And when I'm teaching all the Balanchine ballets, I want them to make it their own
0: mm-hmm.
2: because yeah. it's really important because nobody is like anybody else. Anyway, mm-hmm. everybody's an individual and his ballets are so incredible that way that they can be danced by anyone. If you teach them correctly, Mm -hmm. if you, if you coach them and the style is right and the steps and everything and the timing and the musicality is very, very important. Right. Mm -hmm. That if you teach those correctly, the person can make it their own. Mm -hmm. That I can't go in there and say, you know, Suzanne did this and you should do this. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, I saw, I saw a lot of um, Los Angeles Valley in it's inaugural season. And I remember uh, specifically thinking that your the way you had coached the dancers allowed them to bring their own individual perfume. Like I, I was like, this dancer um, doing terpsichore is so beautiful and I'm so invested, but it didn't look like, and no. it was certainly not a mirror version of, you know, Patty or whoever. Right. Um, right. So I think that that's clearly, that's clearly something that you invest in as a coach. It comes across for sure.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know. Thank you. You have to, you know, and I have dancers from all over the place and different trainings and different and different looks and different aesthetic. This is a whole different right. time period now and different day and age, right. you know, so we have, you know, diversion and inclusion and all, mm-hmm. all of these things combined. It's not the same body types. It's not the same look. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be right. You just have to put it out there to their best ability and make Mm -hmm. them make it their own and make them feel comfortable with it. I think that's the whole thing too, is confidence and putting, letting them know that they're doing it correctly. Right.
1: right. Mm -hmm. So I feel like since your first forays into being a repetitor were with, um, with Jerry, did he ever have you set any of his ballets or just purely balancing?
2: Just purely balancing wow. <laughs> You know, in that time period, we were, uh, there were Jerry people, there were Jerry dancers and there were balancing dancers. Uh, there were crossovers too. And I was definitely a Jerry girl in a lot of ways because I, again, was quick, could remember all his versions, A, B, C, D, all of that. But uh-huh. and also I was called Colleen Cover. That was my name from him. Colleen Cover, Colleen Cover. So I sort of became... Colleague cover. And uh, we had break times, which would be totally illegal now. We had like weeks off that Balanchine would say, you know, you're gonna go work with Jerry a little bit now. Right. And we would just say, Okay, you know, all yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Okay, you know, and I would always be in my mind, maybe he'll use me. And then after a while, I was like, he's never gonna use me. Um <laughs> oh, I'm just going to be the guinea pig. Uh-huh. And there were several of us that that did it, and it was a- an experience that I will to this day and age revere because mm-hmm. I got to have special times with Robbins when he was creating mm-hmm. and he liked to create and then he liked to bring it to the person that w- he was going to really create on and make it theirs hmm. right but there were those of us that did work with him on on off times weeks off or so on and wow. we were very happy to do it so
1: sure.
2: but I never I never staged any of his works I think I could but yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm a yeah. Balanchine repetitor. That's <laughs>
0: right. Did Balanchine have any um, like memorable, specific advice for you as you were staging his ballets um, in Geneva?
2: Uh, it was in Zurich. I Zurich. Was, sorry. In Zurich. That's okay. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. Switzerland.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Over there.
2: Uh, <laughs> right. Uh, no, no. And he uh, often came in at the end, but he was, you know, he was just very respectful of my sister. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I, I took that on also. And I did a lot of the rehearsing and a lot of the staging with her. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. There were times that Mm -hmm. she was also staging for other companies that she would leave me there to stage. And Mm -hmm. uh, we had uh, one story that was extremely funny, Mm -hmm. but um, she had left and she called me and she said, you have to stage the concerto version in episodes. Now the Mm -hmm. concerto the concerto section in ex- episodes mm-hmm. is very complicated. Yes. <laughs> and I had never done the core. I had done the principal once, right. but I had never done the core. And there's a mm-hmm. lot of counts missing and everything. And there were no right. notes. She had no notes. She said, just look at my film. Now the film was like a one of a real, these things yeah. you rolled <laughs> from side uh-huh. to side and you saw a thing and there was no way I could really get it. I huh. somehow tried to figure it out. And she phoned. She said, how's it going? I said, Pat, this is impossible. <laughs> I cannot do this. And she said, you know what? Life is hard. And she went <laughs> click and hung up the phone. <laughs> so, and Valentin <gasps> you know, always said, oh, don't worry. Colleen can do it. He huh. had a lot of faith in me. And uh, he was, you know, wonderful when he coached the dancers there. Some, very different than when he was in New York sometimes, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Because some of them were his dancers that had come there and, uh, he knew them well and he would work with them in a, a, sort of more nurturing even way. Cause New York is New York and everything's like that. So it was, you know, very, very specific and special.
1: Yeah. So I wonder, um, working with your sister. So at this point she left the company when you said you were 14 and then mm-hmm. did she move away. Like where, where, where did she go? Like yeah, she actually for many years, went, probably. Right.
2: She actually went to Harkness also and was used, uh, Rebecca used her with uh, this very tall, wonderful dancer that she had. Mm -hmm. And she used her in some of the productions that we did in special places. And so she was dancing there for a while. Uh, She stayed in touch with Balanchine for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then she went to stage in Europe. So there was about a 3 or 4 year period that she was kind of in between but then she went to stage in Europe for Balanchine in Berlin right. she became ballet mistress and then he uh sort of placed her in Geneva as okay. artistic director and she mm-hmm. was there 6 years and then she went to uh Zurich for about 7 years.
1: Okay so there was like a And then whole- she went to Milan my goodness, <laughs> so cool! Yeah, so there was yeah. a whole period of time where you guys were having completely different experiences. So I wonder once once you came back together and were working together was it just like right away kind of click, like you were able to kind of pull from both of your experiences during that time? Yeah.
2: Yes, we were, we were always very close and we could pull from our experiences. Some of the things I did, she may not have agreed with because we were different generations doing, you know, the same roles. Uh, But I was respectful of what she wanted also. And Pat Mm -hmm. is, has been staging, she's staging Balanchine ballets from goodness a long time. Mm -hmm. Er, Mm -hmm. early uh, late 60s early 70s so uh, Mm -hmm. she was one of the first people out there he sent her everywhere and he was extremely generous and gave these ballets to companies in Europe Mm -hmm. Uh, the first ones that did it in Dusseldorf and Hamburg and places like that and Pat was always he was always sending her Mm -hmm. to do it
0: right so So, cool. yeah.
1: yeah yeah
0: I love that so what was your um what brought you to the Royal Danish Ballet then and what was that experience like for you
2: Oh, it's great. (laughs) Uh, So I met my husband. Uh, I was staging Rubies in Denmark Mm -hmm. in 1985. And uh, my husband was a dancer in the company, very young. Mm -hmm. He's much younger than me. (laughs) And he was dancing there. And we met sort of through Adam Luters Mm because Adam had a house there. And Adam was a partner of mine and a good friend. And Mm -hmm. he let me stay in his house. And uh, oh, and my husband was staying there also. And we met and everything. we went to Seattle together. We got married. We went to Seattle. We were there six years with Kent Stoll and Francia Russell. Mm-hmm. And I had a great second sort of career there, mm-hmm. dancing balancing Ballets again, mm-hmm. taught by Francia, also a different mm-hmm. generation, too. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was just wonderful for me because I was able to do things like uh, Titania in Midsummer Night's Dream. Right. Yes. And I was Hippolyta, <clears throat> right. no, quotation marks, right? Valerian <laughs> Hippolyta. Okay, I got to do Titania. I was able to do full Swan Lake and things like that. Right. Yeah. After six years there, I retired at age 40 and we were offered a position in Denmark. My husband as a dancer and me as a ballet mistress. So we went there and I was there 10 years, um, had wow. my children there mm-hmm. who were both dancers too. <laughs> uh, we were there 10 years. My husband eventually became director, uh, but I was ballet mistressing and then I was a first instructor with him in charge of all productions. So I mm-hmm. staged uh, Neumeier Works and wow. uh, ev- wow. lots of different, uh, Helgi's uh, Sleeping Beauty. I staged mm-hmm. lots of different big ballets and also uh, most of the Balanchine repertoire also during those years. There were four directors coming through, but it was an interesting experience because Mm -hmm. I worked with Frank Anderson and Peter Schaufess. Peter Schaufess, I sort of was pregnant. So I sort of stepped off. Mene Gielgud, I worked with a small uh, Mm -hmm. bit of time, Johnny Eliasson and my husband. Mm -hmm. Mm So uh, it was interesting period. Yeah. I I remember
0: um, when I was younger at the school, American ballet being so fascinated by Europe's, Sort of director model like it is a lot of a lot more changeover. like certainly at that point you know i was just looking at people like peter and held who or you know edward had run miami city ballet yes. one time at that point. it's like it was it's it was very different so what is that like for you sort of being second in command or very vital to the organization's um artistic output um Having to adjust to uh, a different leader so frequently.
2: Well, it, it was, I think, difficult for the dancers and difficult for mm-hmm. uh, any of the staff working there because everybody has their own way, and it's like in any company when, and a lot of companies are changing directors mm-hmm. at this point in America, right? Right. Yeah. Yes. So, any company that uh, is established and has a director and then changes it, it, it can be beneficial, but it can also be hard on the dancers because mm-hmm. you know the new director coming in may not you know, you. like you, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or or it. they, might they bring like in, what it is. <laughs> they may not like you or they may yeah. bring in a different repertoire. And sure. uh, my husband sort of went through a hard time as a dancer there through all all the different directors too. Right. Uh, so it was, uh, it was a different period and they would bring in their own dancers and they'd bring in, because, you know, directors do that. They bring in the right. people they like, they bring in their own dancers and they bring in their own staff. Uh, so it, the changeovers were not necessarily great i think for the organization mm-hmm. but it was a very difficult time period at there there especially in denmark and mm-hmm. the dancers were also establishing their voice which was very different than what I grew up with right. where mm-hmm. we didn't really have a voice. Uh, <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, yeah. you didn't say, I don't want to do that. Or I don't yeah. like you, you know, right. that kind of thing. And <laughs> right. yeah. So it's a, it, again, it's a different world today than I grew up in and it was different there. We're becoming more like that now, but mm-hmm. I think, and it's, you know, it's helpful to dancers, but it, it was not, a, not an easy time, but it was a very wonderful uh, educational time for myself. Mm -hmm. Right. And I value my, uh, years in Denmark tremendously because I learned about big organizations. I learned about the European culture. I learned how, how, uh, wonderful the huge story ballets, you know, besides Balanchine's could, could be and what it entails to do it.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. It's interesting Uh, because I think with so many of these things, right, you just draw from your own personal experiences. And so some, directors go on to direct companies with only the experience of maybe one or two directors based on their careers. So here you are having this wide swath of people to see, and you can see what you like and what you don't exactly. like, <laughs> you know, exactly. kind of draw you take that.
2: In, you're right. You draw from it and you take in, you know, what did they do? That's uh, uh, very good. What did they do that maybe you don't like, you know, and right. you form your own opinions and your own ways. And I, I was very, by that point, very confident in what I knew already. So, um, you know, and being around people like Balanchine, it, it's just it puts a whole different you know level in your head mm-hmm. uh, with choreography too. So right. it's you know it it's interesting. Yeah. It was it was great. I'm
0: I'm wondering, um, you know, as we, we were just mentioning how like the the landscape, the culture of company life has has just shifted so much, and dancers have a lot more autonomy, and um, but. I feel like everyone, anyone we talked to about Balanchine, anyone who worked under him, um, you know, like one of the first things you said was how kind he was, how generous. And obviously he is, you know, in my humble opinion, the creative dance genius of the 20th century, maybe of all time, but (laughs) shh. We don't want to upset people. Um, (laughs) But uh, what would life have been like if you had had a little bit more of what today's culture was like. Do you think it would have been Just different, better, worse? Like what um if you had if you had been able to, I guess, ask for things more?
2: I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it didn't end up well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Because I was very uh, voiced, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and I look back and go, why did I do that? You know, (laughs) I would just go because I think I felt so comfortable with Balanchine that I would go up to him and say, why can't I do that? Or can I do that? And it would. People would go, don't do that. Don't do it. (laughs) You know, don't ask. Don't ask. Don't tell. So. It was different. And I, it did not end up. Well, I feel today, you know, there, there has to be a compromise between the two. Right. Okay. Balanchine was a genius. Mm -hmm. He walked in the room and you, he exuded this. He got up at 5. AM. I knew everything he did. He told me he ironed his sheets and listened Mm -hmm. to Stravinsky. (laughs) He would choreograph while ironing his sheets. Okay. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He came in, he knew what he was doing. He knew the counts. He knew the musicality. Uh, He wanted you to learn it quickly Mm -hmm. and remember it. And all of those things we took in like, wow, you know, there was no, you couldn't go. Yeah, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Yeah, You couldn't couldn't sort of stand there and go, you know, I can do better than him. Mm -hmm. You just knew that you were in the uh, room with somebody that was extremely special. and that took on a whole other level uh whether in this day and age as a dancer with a balancing there we would feel comfortable with expressing ourselves the way dancers can today i don't really know you know Mm -hmm. because when you're in the you're in the sort of room of greatness Mm -hmm. and you're around it it uh it was just a whole other level, as I said, and he was still a person. You know, he loved right. food and wine and talked about it and people and women and blah 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 <laughs> blah. A whole different point yeah. this day and yeah. too, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying it's bad. It's a good thing because mm-hmm. we you feared your place and you feared your position at times right. mm-hmm. you know because if you were not in the liking or you know with a different mm-hmm. flavor of the month or whatever right. it, it you you feared where you were going in your life there was yeah. not sort of a reality to a lot of it but i never look back and say i wish it could have been different
0: right because
2: it took me personally to different levels in my life that i learned so much from and right. that I try to give to either my children or all the dancers I work with who are my children mm-hmm. that don't take anything for granted.
1: Right. And we yeah, did I mean, at
2: times, I feel, you know. It's
1: yeah. only natural, I think, right? So some sometimes... we didn't know. We didn't yeah, exactly. know. We, just,
2: we just knew we grew up around balancing. You know, right. we didn't right. know. Was there gonna be another balancing?
1: Right, yeah. right.
2: I'd, I don't know, not in my lifetime, but I I think there are wonderful, like Justin, wonderfully Mm -hmm. uh, talented and beautiful choreographers around and Chris Wieldon and all these people. I think there are wonderfully beautiful, talented choreographers around Mm -hmm. and they've done great works. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Balanchine was special and he transformed dance in America. He transformed dance to what we know today with musicality Mm -hmm. and everything. Right.
0: You are, you're 100% preaching to the choir here. We're <laughs> yes. very lucky that, that we were, I mean, we got to dance for two bouncing dancers and we did tons of bouncing rep. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just, it just feels different on your body. You know, it's like the, when we always used to say, like, if something got, if something was being set and it didn't feel right, then you would know that it was wrong. Like you'd be like, well, I just don't like bouncing never gave unnatural transitions or like, mm-hmm. it was not
2: unorganic. It was right. Right yeah. for you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's so funny because I feel like obviously we didn't get the privilege of being in the room with him, but I still feel like we, Mm -hmm. through your generation sharing with us, and then also just through his steps and the movement, it's like, you kind of got to know him as close as you can, you know, Mm -hmm. like, it does feel like Michael's saying, like, we, we didn't know him but we would know this isn't right he wouldn't do this you know yeah exactly. yeah it's really exactly. remarkable no
2: it was it was just wonderful
1: yeah but
2: it is a different time we're in a different world um with dance now uh those of us that are older and coming from that generation we have to adjust and mm-hmm. rightly so and it's um and we have to also carry on the word and the beauty of what he gave to us
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so
0: uh I definitely want to go back to the inception of Los Angeles Ballet, but before we do, because it 's kind of relevant to what we 're talking about right now i'm wondering what what are your thoughts as a director about a, a dancer asking for a role? How do you approach a situation like that? Are you ever open minded to that?
2: Absolutely, and I think they have every right to uh, mm-hmm. if you know sometimes as a dancer, I thought I could do Giselle. Mm-hmm. No. (laughs) But sometimes as a dancer, you don't know your strengths and weaknesses, and maybe your director does. But Uh I'm always open when they come and say, I would like to do this role. Mm -hmm. I'll either be extremely honest with them and say, I don't really think this is where you're suited to. Mm -hmm. But if you would like to learn it, there is a possibility. Right. Mm -hmm. It's a hard, fine line to be extremely honest mm-hmm. and also you don't want to make the dancer feel like oh they don't like me or
0: right right, right.
2: i'm not i'm not good enough for that you have right. to just explain it in a way to them that either they can understand or give them the possibility maybe they want to right. show you that they could you right. know so i am open open to that yeah you have to be mm-hmm. yeah
1: Definitely. Yeah. We were talking with um, Megan Fairchild just this past week and she was telling us how no one wouldn't think of her for new works at New York city ballet. Cause she was always just like, you know, the technician. And at one point she just wrote an email to Ratmansky, right. It was like, I would love to be in your ballet. Yeah. And he goes, awesome. That sounds great. We would love to have you. <laughs> yeah. So she yeah. just kind of realized like, you know, and she said, she's like, I wasn't pushy. I just said, like, if you thought about it and I think it's, there's a happy balance, right. That sometimes you can advocate for yourself, especially in a company that huge, you know, when there's so many people to be considering. So yeah, that, that definitely makes it's, sense.
2: It's definitely, it's definitely important to listen to them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, so let's, let's talk about LA ballet and <laughs> its inception and how that came about.
2: Um, after Denmark we moved here with our children um they were like five and seven years old they were born in Denmark but we moved here and we saw I knew the area because my sister lived here Mm -hmm. Uh, she lives over in the valley uh we thought maybe we'll start something here because there had been a company in LA long time ago Mm -hmm. excuse me and um there was not a company at this time. Uh, Joffrey had been here and left. Uh, the old LA ballet had had gone. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a void missing here. There was the opera and the symphony and everything, but no okay. ballet company.
1: Right. What year was this? Was it
2: 04? This was, we moved here in 2002. Okay. Mm-hmm. And in 2004, we started seriously developing uh, focus groups and a board Mm -hmm. And it took two years to get enough funding together. And we met, had lots of meetings and everything and focus brunches. And we got a small board together and decided we wanted to develop this company. And at one point, around a year and a half into it, I said, you know what? (laughs) This is not going to work unless we put on a performance, mm. unless we get a company together because people don't understand. You can't build a model, you know, like architecture, and you can't take right. it to somebody yeah. and say, this is what it's gonna look yeah. like. We have to just start a company. Mm-hmm. So we we actually had enough funding and enough money to put together uh, a company and we decided to start with Nutcracker. Mm-hmm. And we went through a lot of things up and down Balanchine's Nutcracker. It was very expensive. Uh, We didn't have enough dancers. You're sort of uh, stuck with with doing that. It was extremely expensive uh, production-wise. We acquired a production from Denmark that was Mm -hmm. our sort of idea. Uh, Mm -hmm. Ratmansky ended up doing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, it was sort of our conception in the beginning. And we acquired... uh, uh, sets and mm-hmm. uh, not sets, but um, the costumes and everything. Mm-hmm. Right, And then we made our own sets and we did our own Nutcracker oh. uh, sort of original to Los Angeles. It's mm-hmm. sort of set in Los Angeles in 1912 and the sets and everything are the Sierra Nevadas. And mm-hmm. the backdrop mm-hmm. is sort of the palm trees in the back. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of LA. Sure. <laughs> uh, so we opened in 2006 in December we did auditions, I think, in May, June that year, in 2006, mm-hmm. in New York and all over. We just took people. We took 22 people. We had a little studio in Malibu that mm-hmm. we rented, a teeny with low ceilings. We had to go outside in the hallways and do the lifts. Um, <laughs> we were doing serenade. We said, OK, so here's the end lift. Let's go in the hallway and do it. You know? <laughs> I mean, we just started ground up. I was doing right. costumes and washing them wow. at home. Oh uh, we just hired people per sort of per production, as far as the Mm -hmm. staff, we had one office in a place. And I have to say it would never have happened without the generosity of the Balanchine trust. Also, Mm -hmm. I staged the Balanchine repertoire. We did Balanchine Bourneville and our production of Nutcracker in the first season.
1: Incredible Mm -hmm. rep.
2: And Thornton was able to do Napoli and we did, you know, Agon and Rubies and Concerto Barocco and, you know, several Balanchine programs. And we had three productions and, we started in theaters and just we had little small audiences and now we're full houses. Mm -hmm. So we're talking from 2006 to now we're in our 15th season going into our 16th. Mm -hmm. Um, It's grown tremendously Our audiences have grown. We take ourselves to different theaters around L.A. We're not in just one theater, sort of what Miami was doing Mm -hmm. uh, in the beginning also. And we got that from Edward. We Mm -hmm. talked to him a lot about how, you know, he started and what he did and Mm -hmm. all of that and, you know, developing a board and everything. It's Mm -hmm. not easy to start ground up. I would imagine that not not <laughs> in this is a whole other thing than walking into an organization that has been formed for 50, 70, hundred years. Yeah. This is not this is not walking into the World Danish Ballet mm-hmm. and having a costume shop. Right. You right. know. I mean, literally, I was buying the Baroque leotards and washing them in a, a machine downstairs in a basement and hanging them up on the balcony to dry. So, wow. you know, this this was a really ground up thing. We uh-huh. basically found another building. We expanded from one studio to two and then from two to three. And then we had the offices in the building. So we started to build over the years mm-hmm. and then we developed a school also. So it was a, a long process, but um, that the inception was quite remarkable. <laughs> to yeah. say.
1: That's so yeah. cool that you talked with Edward about about with Edward Valella about um, doing this. Did you draw from anyone else that had some experience that could help you guys with that? Maybe I called little... as many
2: people as yeah. we as we possibly could. I talked right. to Peter Martins also, who we had <laughs> known very well, and you know he was a little bit like, "What are you doing?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Why are you doing this?" Uh, but, and everybody was skeptical because things had not worked in LA. It mm-hmm. was just like uh, people would come up and say, we want to do an article, but they were all skeptical. And we said, just have faith in us and mm-hmm. trust in us. And it's going to work. And we're mm-hmm. still here. Right. So, you know, that I have to say. But it was not an easy road. And people, mm-hmm. L.A. is a whole different ball game than New York or other places right. because, mm-hmm. you know, it's the entertainment industry. And there's a, a lot of funding here and everything. But, you know, it's not as easy to get sometimes. Mm-hmm. But we have a wonderful board and we have beautiful people on it, like the Milkins and people like that. But we're we're in a process now of trying to build further. Right. So it, it takes time. And as I said, it's not you're we're not walking into an organization that's been built and is there.
0: Right. What do you think um, 2006 you would be most surprised about where the company is at right now?
2: Wow. Well, uh, <laughs> I probably in 2006 thought maybe we'd be further. <laughs> 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 I didn't know it was going to be like this. No, um, no, I I'm very, very proud of where we've come. And mm. both my husband and I have uh, choreographed six uh, full length ballets together wow. uh, based on tradition and things I've known and, you know, videos and things and our trainings together mm. and, uh, We've done that. So we've done, you know, besides Nutcracker, Don Quixote, Swan Lake, Sleeping Beauty, Giselle. Um, he's done La mm-hmm. Uh, So it's it's been, you know, a wonderful sort of time to do that together. Mm-hmm. And our Balanchine rep is huge. We do over 20 mm-hmm. Balanchine ballets. Awesome. And uh, as you've I also said, Sorry. Yeah, go
0: on. Go I was going to say, you've also been able to, um, you know. It's so important to have a company that can reflect the city and community you live in. And you've also been able to get some local choreographers that are big names here involved.
2: Absolutely. And we have, you know, we had Sonia Taye when mm-hmm. nobody knew Sonia Taye, but So You Think right. You Can Dance. Right. You know, and uh, we've had all these commercial choreographers, which is great. Mm-hmm. And Azure Barton and Alejandro Cerudo, right, 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 right. you know, it's, it's been, and now we're doing, uh, Wielden's, uh, ghosts and also mm-hmm. Annabelle Ochoa. Oh. Uh, so we have a great program coming up with that. And of course, in between the bouncing rep has been tremendous, you know, doing ballets like Apollo is just, you know, incredible. Yeah. Right, 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 So the company has built on that and the company has expanded on that. And our whole sort of mission is, you know, the full length classics, Balanchine, Bourneville, and new creations. Right. Mm-hmm. So the new creations is very important to us and it's been important for every company. The process is important. Uh, whether the result is, you know, fantastic is not the point. Right. Um, it, it's the process for the dancers and the process for the choreographer. And, you know, the whole thing becomes your own, mm-hmm. you know, right. sort of vision and your own, ballet that's done for your company.
1: Right. Right. Hearing you talk about incorporating the full length ballets and how you mentioned when you were at New York City Ballet, you've kind of felt like that was something that was missing for you. Is that a reason why it's really important for you to have all facets of the art form for your dancers?
2: I do. I do. I really feel that, you know, and it's not that I felt it was a lack in, in Balanchine's company. Uh, and certainly now they do many more, you know, full lengths uh, than Mm -hmm. we did, but, uh, it is something that I feel is really important in a dancer's uh, upbringing and for their experience to have that experience of dancing the classical full lengths. And it mm-hmm. rounds them to be a full dancer right. that they can do Balanchine, but they can also do the classics. And we're very traditional in our classics Mm -hmm. uh that we want them to be performed in you know the right way and as they you know were done by petit pas or whatever Mm -hmm. we Mm tried we try to do it traditionally
0: yeah Yeah. so for new choreography is there a certain um aesthetic or style that you when you're curating a program are looking for or is it just kind of exposing your dancers and your audiences to new things
2: i think it's exposing the dancers and audience to new things because Mm -hmm. uh every every choreographer is different and we've done things that you know are in flat shoes and socks and bare feet and in uh pointe shoes this this contemporary program we're doing now both of the ballets are on pointe mm-hmm. and I love that uh but it doesn't have to be that way mm-hmm. sure. and uh a lot of our dancers excel in more contemporary you know movement mm-hmm. than right. others so
1: yeah yeah. yeah. So for our listeners in the L.A. area, if they want to come and see L.A. Ballet, you mentioned there's a program coming up. What are the dates that we could? Yes, uh,
2: we're in the Broad Stage, which is a wonderful, uh, intimate venue in Santa Monica. And we're performing April 21st, 22nd and 23rd. And the program is uh, Christopher Wielden's Ghosts, which he originally did for San Francisco Ballet. And Annabelle Lopez Ochoa, it's Bloom, which she did for Bally Manila. Now, both of these mm. works were not done like a lot of places. They're mm-hmm. not known that much. Right. Right. Uh, it's not sort of the known pieces. Uh, so that's also why I like them. Right. Because we're kind of the first American company to do this work called Bloom. Mm-hmm. And it's based sort of on a uh, very sort of... Uh, philippine and uh it's a there's a story to it of how they used to place rose petals at the door every night and it there is there's a little bit of a a, a story to it but it's very traditional in its way in the asian culture so mm-hmm. i like it a lot
1: yeah. and it's
2: very energetic and it wieldon's ghost is extremely beautiful and has to do mm-hmm. almost with a shipwreck and their ghost floating in the water and i was hesitant in the beginning we were had this on last year which we didn't perform unfortunately mm-hmm but in the middle of COVID, I thought, you know, do we do people like that are ghosts?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sure. You know? <laughs> <I>
2: get it. <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know, uh, <laughs> but it, it's, it, you don't really, it doesn't reflect anything like that. And it, sure. it's just a gorgeous moving piece. And both of these pieces together, uh, that's sort of form. When you form a program, I feel it's like balancing, you know, to say you have to have, you know, an appetizer, an entree, and a dessert, Right. Mm-hmm. you have to have three pieces that are, uh, they fit together well, but they're also very different. Right. So, you know, you have a softness and you have the bang and you have. So in the middle of these two wonderful pieces is Apollo.
0: Uh, wonderful. Yeah.
2: So, you know, that's that's a great program to yeah. see. And that's in the end of April in the Broad stage. So that's mm. great. And then we're doing our Sleeping Beauty in May, June. Mm. Okay. The
0: dancers, they're, get, they're getting the full range. They sure
2: they're getting are. the full range. And I'm yeah. on stage, you know, I'm such a ham.
0: <laughs> so I'm,
2: I'm, you can't get me off from a child. So mm. I do like Carabas and I do the Queens and so I do Imagine and feed. And I do all mm-hmm. of that till I probably can't walk. I'll do it. But <laughs> <laughs> do you that still do, uh, well,
0: I remember something that I found to be so effective because I was seeing a lot of the first season of Alley Valley and you came out and did um, pre performance talks, which is something that we grew up with, with Edward as well. Yes. And it was part of, And of course, at that time, I recognized how essential it was because you were educating a new audience. It was the first season, you know, those, I think, I mean, of course, I think those values speak for themselves, but to have. That context. Um, oh,
2: they don't know here. You know. Yeah. Is, as I say, I'm sorry. I don't mean that in a way of putting LA down. Edward right to say but, the
1: same thing about Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to educate Edward, the audience. Right. Yeah.
2: Edward Villella told me and mm-hmm. told my husband. He said, "You know, you need to educate. You need to go out there and tell them what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. You know, and the ballet speak for themselves. But uh, if they're not seen in a certain way," Um, they may be misunderstood. And I will right. go out there and say, last year we did a black and white program with uh, Concerto Barocco and Agon. And um, it's coming to me. It's coming to me. Another one of his great pieces. I can't think of it right I'm now. I'm trying to think of what I've seen p- photos. Was it Stravinsky? Was it...
1: <laughs> for Temperance? For tees? For tees?
2: No, it wasn't For tees but it was a very specific program and right. i mm-hmm. came out before and told them look even though you've seen these things you know agon is not easy on an audience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. um and it's not a piece that you're going to understand right off so right. i told stor- sort of my stories of agon of dancing mm-hmm. it with behind people like melissa hayden who she was mm-hmm. counting wrong and uh <laughs> you know and that if you see their mouths moving, it's because yeah. they're counting. And if you hear me yelling from the back row, no, it's a 10, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it it's sort of things that they, they have to relate to. And then people came up to me after and they said, oh yeah, we did understand it now, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and sort of the process of how he put Agon together and the process of Apollo and the process of all those ballets together
1: mm-hmm. are
2: really important for an audience to know. And the educating part of it is, it is, I think relevant and important.
1: I love this through line here because it's funny that, so Edward would always do pre-performance talks. He spoke to you about doing them. Then you did them. When Edward left Miami city ballet, people still wanted them and Lourdes Lopez didn't really want to do them. So she charged Michael and a lot of times to do pre-performance talks and he would ask me to come on. And then that's how this podcast came around. So it's like a full hey, circle moment. All, that's
2: wonderful. <laughs> all connected. Yeah.
1: Cause we, we see the same things. Like we go to veil dance festival every year and we do these kind of context conversations and then audience members will come up to us and be like, Oh, we saw that moment you, that the dancer was talking about that was happening right. and it it's so cool it's to see them experience it in a different way and feel more connected to it. Yeah. You know,
2: it's important. It's yeah. great. Awesome. I like Probably, it. we, you know, we did, a, we did a balancing year. It was, I think his hundredth.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: No, it wasn't his hundredth, but it was, uh, Oh, 30 years after he passed away. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. 2013. I think it was, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, we did uh, with Lewis Siegel here, who is a famous critic. Right, uh, right. He got films together of Balanchine's first uh, choreography here for the movies with Tamara oh. Geva oh. and uh-huh. all his wives and everything here. And uh, he got all this whole film thing together to sort of connect it with Hollywood and what mm-hmm. Balanchine's life was when he lived here. Right. And wow. we showed the old films in relation to Lavall's and the ballets that we were doing, La Sonambula, the older pieces, and wow. uh, it was just incredible because uh, they got to see the films of his first choreography. There's a Swan Lake through water where they walk through water, actual uh-huh. water. Uh, you know, it's it's some of them are really really funny, and he would probably right. going, "Oh no, don't show those." Yeah.
1: Oh <laughs> <God>. <laughs> I wonder, is that compilation still? Does it live somewhere that is accessible?
2: Probably. probably. I know probably. Lewis probably has it. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. That's so cool. Yeah. Yes. That's he cool he somehow got them out of the archives. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's amazing. Awesome. I know. Well,
0: Colleen, thank you so much for joining us. We hope that everyone in the Los Angeles area will come out to see your beautiful company. Um thank you. it was such a pleasure getting to hear yeah. about your what an incredible career
2: you've had. <laughs> thank you thank so you much. much. I appreciate you guys doing this and I always love to talk about Balanchine and uh, it's everything. Our topic. So <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate Thank you. it. Thank you.